Welcome to another episode of the Augmented Podcast. Augmented reveals the stories behind the new era of industrial operations where technology will restore the agility of frontline workers. Technology is changing rapidly. What's next in the digital factory and who's leading the change and what are the skills to learn and how to stay up to date on manufacturing and industry 4.0. In episode 69 of the podcast, the topic is how 5G enables manufacturing. Our guests are Rowan Hugman, head of 5G industry collaboration at Ericsson, and Jeff Travers, customer success lead, dedicated networks at Ericsson. In this conversation, we talk about a new Ericsson report on how 5G enables manufacturing. We explore some surprising findings, discuss industry trends, as well as the current and future use cases as wireless networks take another step towards being trusted on the shop floor. And they muse on the ultimate impact of 5G. Augmented is a podcast for industrial leaders, process engineers, and shop floor operators, hosted by futurist Tun Arne Unheim, presented by Tulip the Frontline Operations Platform. Jeff and Rowan, welcome. How are you? Great. Good to be with you. Thank you, Tron. Thank you for the question, Tron. Great. So I am excited to be here with two Ericsson guys to talk about the future of, uh, you know, networks and uh, connections and broadband. And we are right now also on this connection, this, this tenuous fiber that keeps us uh, sometimes connected across uh, distance. Um, so that brings me, I guess, to the question, why would each of you um, work on these important things at, at Ericsson? Was there something that brought you straight to telco? I know, Rowan, you know, you're an uh, industrial economy graduate, Jeff, you definitely are on the MBA business side, uh, but you both ended up in... Uh, in this company, Ericsson, um, or, and have both worked there for a, a good while. Uh, Rowan, maybe first, what, what brings you to telcos? You know, I, I had the opportunity to join as a trainee a long time back. And, and as I received my, my first ID card, it said, uh, um, yeah, it was valid for five years. And, you know, I joked with my friends. Uh, I said, you know, there's no way I'm going to be here so long. Why give me such a card? Uh, and now I guess the, the joke's on me. It's, uh, it's been 24 years and I've uh, changed the number of ID cards. So uh, uh, it's a great company uh, with a lot of opportunity uh, to, to move between positions, to move between areas. And uh, we've, we've shifted so much uh, between the different technologies over the years. So we've learned so much more things. So it's just constant change and I love it. Wow. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, when I joined, you didn't need to be a, a, a data tech scientist to be in the in the tech industry. Um, it was growing so fast, and it was really a hot place to be. Mobile networks were just beginning. But I feel kind of lucky that um, it stayed hot. The mobile world just hasn't slowed down. And uh, very happy to be part of this journey with Ericsson. So what is new at, at, at Ericsson, guys? Uh, I, I know you, you've launched some private platforms, intelligent automation platforms uh, recently, and we'll, we'll obviously talk about the, the report that's uh, fresh off the, off the print for, for you today. But what else is going on at the company? I mean, you can, you can imagine that the last years have been enormous growth in the smartphone world, and, and it's picked up everywhere, and the introduction of LTE and 4G has been, has been so so enormous 
But 5G brings a new angle. Uh, it brings the latency and it brings the capacities for, for industries to do some very exciting new stuff. So what's up? Yeah, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll delve into that, right? Yeah. Because uh, I, I wanted actually to take everyone on this uh, little journey from 1 to 5G um, and, and take a look at what it means. So you can jump in each of you when, uh, you know, either when I misstep here or explain what these levels were about. So in the 80s, we had 1G, right? And uh, I, for one, I would tie it to Motorola and, the, you know, I think there's a MicroTAC was, was one of their popular, popular phones. But what was the 80s about? What, what were you guys doing then in Ericsson? What, what was the challenge back then? And, you know, the mobile telephony, you know, was obviously in its infancy. What, what was it that we could do with, with the 1G? Is, does anyone even remember? <laughs> no, it, it didn't. It didn't kick in. 2G and, and GSM for us is when it hit global because right. 1G was experimental local standards and, and there was wireless and it was working, but it was different yeah. everywhere. Uh, yeah. And with GSM, we hit a standard which a number of countries adopted. And, you know, right. and obviously the tech world is about scale, isn't it? And once you get that scale factor, you, you get pickup. So that was 2G, uh, and now we're in the 90s, and uh, you know that was uh, Nokia and Ericsson. So it was uh, kind of this uh, Nordic game. Telcos uh, in the Nordics were, were having a heyday. Um, Absolutely. I had one of my first phones, I think, uh, was, was one of these Nokia 101, whatever it was called. Um, so that was GSM world, and I think many of us who 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 were you know who experienced that for the first time have a very clear picture of that. And then, of course, in the U.S., BlackBerry and um, and elsewhere, uh, but in North America, BlackBerry then uh, came onto the scene um, yeah, and, with and, keyboards and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but then the excitement started to 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 increase with three G. When uh, so now with three G, we're we're what in the two thousands. Yeah, 2001, basically. And I mean, 1, 1G, people were just happy to be able to, to talk uh, wherever they were. You know, it was, it was a new invention. The quality was, was okay. Uh, with 2G, when you went from analog to digital, that really improved the quality of the voice. Um, then people started to expect more, you know. The voice was there. The voice was everywhere. With 3G, you got uh, the, first, the first try at mobile internet. Uh, low data speeds. Uh, we had high hopes, um, but it wasn't really, really successful as a data kind of uh, transfer technology. Well, we had ringtones. We had ringtones, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big thing. It's funny how what was big, right? What, what was big back then was, uh, you know, different color screens and like these, uh, uh, you know, the skins on the phones. And the ringtones, and uh, I believe there was an advanced chat function beyond SMS. There was this long SMS format, which was pretty exciting, but you, I wouldn't yeah. exactly call it. Well, but as you say, a lot of it was about the plastic around the phone, wasn't it? Yes, yes. So now, um, however, you know, joking aside, 3G uh, is also when the iPhone came out, 2007. So the end of 3G, things started to heat up. I mean, there was the sense here that we're, we're onto something. Uh, uh, pretty big. And then for you guys, uh, 4G, so I, I guess we're around 2010-something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, commercially, had... this launched sort of the Samsung versus Apple wars and competition. Uh, what was happening in the networks? Yeah, the networks were 
we're basically going up for scale and scale on on uh, on data, which was really intensive traffic loads. So so it all, all became attention upon city centres, um, heavy transit zones, you know, public transport. What did it take to get to get the, those volumes out um, in the dense areas? So so we had to redesign our our radio systems to be able to handle that sort of performance. All right. So between four G and five G, though, that's I, I guess is the the interesting question now. And and many people, I guess, rightfully on the consumer side would be asking, well, you know, what does five G really uh, give me? And I think that's a question people are asking now because they're they're faced with you know upgrading their phones. And I guess uh, so for five G, we're talking iPhone thirteen or Samsung Galaxy S twenty one, I believe it's called. And then Google has a Pixel phone that's five G. This is, I think, uh, I'm speaking about the American market, but uh, I'm, I'm sure there are many, many more 5G phones now. But but what is what you started saying, Jeff, is it's really the industrial use case that is kind of not just the justification for 5G, but you, you really where, where where some of the gas is going to be put into the system. What, why is that? Yeah, why that is? Well, 5G brings to the table vast new spectrum bands, and in the mobile world. You know the the lifeblood of mobile networks is the spectrum you've got. It's the it's the raw parameter of capacity, and and five G brings new bands. But it, it's also designed for very low latency. That's the that's the ping time, the response time. You know, think of a submarine. You hit that ping when it bounces back. Um, we now measure that in milliseconds or thousands of a second, thousands of a second. And, and there are a bunch of things being done in the industrial world which work at that sort of speed. You know, robots today, um, AGV vehicles, cranes, drills, um, connected work tools, they need that sort of instant response to, to be automated. Well, that's interesting. And, and, you know, the report that you guys have out today, how 5G enables manufacturing, uh, you, you interviewed, I think, uh, over 8,000 uh, people in 22 markets uh, you know, uh, why did you write this report? We wrote this report wrote because um, basically when looking at manufacturing, um, there's a lot of talk about automation. Uh, and at the same time, in our industry, we're looking at tools uh, like uh, AR and uh, uh, exoskeletons and remote operations and so on. And we were trying to figure out how these two things fit together. I mean, are uh, manufacturers are going to invest in these tools because mostly when we talk to manufacturers uh, during these one-on-one um, -on -one interviews, they were mostly talking about automation and uh, uh, reducing FTEs, uh, full-time employees, and, and, and those kind of things. So we're really keen to understand what's really the truth here, what's really going on. So, so that's why we, we looked into this report. Uh, and and the, we were stunned at, at the result, actually, because... Um, these tools are uh, being invested in. Uh, it looks like manufacturing uh, is going to go big time into these kind of tools, um, enhancing, making their production employees uh, really smarter, swifter, safer. But at the same time, they are also going for full automation. So it's kind of like a, a two-step uh, rocket. They're starting with these tools because it, in many cases, it's difficult to uh, fully automize things today. Um, the automation technology has got its limits. Uh, it's not profitable to do everything right now. So what they're starting with is really making humans more productive, making their output more qualitative 
uh, and making people safer on, on the shop floor. And then, as, as this also requires then a higher level of digital, digitalization, you can then move to the next step, which is then full automation later on. Well, so the next step, but one of the things that interested me in your report is this finding, which I think deserves to be talked about, that uh, I guess dull, dangerous, and dirty work is this uh, you know, phrase that people use. And um, the sector has been fighting it for a while. And, uh, you know, I think we've been guilty on this podcast also in sort of trying to say that that is not true anymore. But your report actually finds it's still a reality according to the production employees that you interview. Tell me more about how that came out and how you interpret that finding. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were, we were surprised ourselves because we, uh, um, looking at this industry from where we sit, uh, we, were re- we were really interested in the kind of uh, smarter solutions, uh, the high-tech stuff, and so on. Uh, and so, um, and people don't talk really about the dull, dirty, and, and dangerous work. I mean, they talk about it as this being the start of, of, the, of the automation. But when we did the study and we asked all these questions really to understand where production employees were, uh, we got this result showing that a um, um, large part of them say that, uh, you know, 71% of the work uh, is either uh, dull, dangerous, or, or dirty. In fact, uh, at least um, 71% of the work is this. So um, a really large parts of the work out there is, uh, is dull, dirty, and dangerous. And, uh, you know, when you, um, we've been looking at what was happening to the jobs as they go on. Um, there's, there's more and more requirements set on the, the type of person that will handle these kind of jobs going forward. But in order to attract these people, you, you have to fix these things because, you know, people don't see this as a, as a, a future job um, that they would like to have unless, you know, uh, you get rid of these, uh, these kind of tasks. Well, not only do you have to fix it, Rowan, but I guess it also, uh, it, it also brings home your point, uh, you know, in terms of the importance of actually implementing technologies now at a much lower uh, advanced stage, you know, when it comes to the technology, right? We need to get rid of some of the factors that are making work, uh, uh, you know, dull, for example, I, my guess, uh, you know, paperwork is one thing that makes, uh, you know, workers feel like they have dull jobs. And getting rid of paperwork, paperwork does not require massive robots, right? I mean, there could be very simple electronic you know, bean counting tools, uh, rulers, uh, you know, uh, that could take care of some of those things. Uh, dangerous, that's where I guess you get more into the uh, robotic category. Dirty, I don't know exactly where that relationship is. But uh, so tell us a little bit then uh, about some of the other findings. So they say that uh, advanced wireless technology is something that they find very both important for the production tools and that they say that they are willing and want to and will invest in. Yeah. That, I mean, that must um, be reassuring when you're rolling out a network. Uh, it was, uh, it was, I mean, um, uh, we know that there's a, a lot of uh, Wi-Fi out there. Um, uh, I mean, there's uh, close to 60% of the production facilities, uh, according to the surveyed uh, companies, uh, have got Wi-Fi. Um, then what it's used for, uh, we don't know. We suspect it's, uh, it's more for the kind of simpler applications like gaining access to the internet for, for tablets and for, uh, 
uh, for phones uh, there and even for, for machines. Um, we know that IT departments are geared towards Wi-Fi and so on. So it was surprising for us uh, to see that they're so keen on, on actually going towards these more advanced uh, networks. And, and, and actually, um, a large portion um, said, uh, and let me see what the exact figure was, um, I think uh, 8 out of 10 uh, manufacturers uh, said that they're uh, actually uh, expecting to introduce 5G networks uh, within the next five years, which, uh, which was surprising to us that they've really kind of... Uh, um, uh, seen that they that they will have a problem with the uh, with the uh, the kind of networks that they have today. So, Jeff, do you think that was their actual frustrations and uh, with the reality, or do you think it was their knowledge or hope, or even of what five G could could be? Because you know, when when you're rolling out th- this vision of five G, I I feel like has been out there almost longer than, than, than there was talk of 4G. So I feel like the, the waiting time, the wait time has been there and there's been this time to kind of prepare people who, who, who wanted to explore what this might be. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. how do you explain this? Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess people, people are not waking up and thinking, what do I do with 5G? They're, they're waking up thinking, how, how do I take the next step in my business? And, it, and there are automation and a number of use cases have, have been in place for a while. Um, but there's two dynamics going on here. One is how to highly automate my operations, how to move towards 24-hour operations, for example. Maybe I keep my, my people doing the, the 12 hours, but I want 12 hours uh, lights off operation. How do I do some of this remote control? Um, there's one dynamic, but the second is, you know, I've still got workers. I still need them. I, I just need them better empowered and better tooled up. I need to augment them. Augmented reality is obviously stuff happening there. Um, but you've also got sort of connecting back to a remote center of excellence with an I see what you see sort of thing. So what what enables that? And, and they have some very demanding requirements on localized compute, localized AI, and you need a very heavy-duty connectivity platform for that. 5G sort of comes along at the right time. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's some logic here in both the consumer and industry space, which is you take and grab whatever network you have access to. So it's like however large the pipe is, people will try to then use that pipe. So it's not, you know, in in a sense, that could be an argument for 5G, but it could be an argument for, you know, always increasing because, you know, the... There's obviously no limit to to kind of how much bandwidth you could use. No. But I guess the point here is that they must be seeing that the cost benefit is also going to be worth it for them, which is actually a little bit surprising, isn't it? Because you, you're taught that manufacturing businesses are very cost conscious. Yeah, well, look, so, and surely no, this that, bandwidth has a cost. Yeah, you're right. There's lots of different networks they have available today, and there's massive bandwidth available today through cables, for example. Um, but the thing is, cable, cables aren't agile. They're not mobile. So, so you've had, if you have a static work environment, fine. But if you start to need cells that you can move around um, or you want to deploy massive sensors all over the place, um, you, need, you need that flexibility. You need mobility. 
Um, and, it, and if you've got AGVs or, or haulage trucks or drills in a remote location, again, you want you want them to move. So it's this mobility factor has has been a changing parameter, I think. And then the- yeah, and I wanted to delve a little bit more into this mobility factor because you know mobility is you know initially when I thought about mobility, I was like, oh yeah, for the knowledge worker or or for the person who wants to move around, but really in industry and specifically in manufacturing when a lot of people don't have desks never had desks mm. or if they have a desk it's a standing desk and it you know you the assumption is you're running around and coordinating things mobility really has been fundamental you know on the shop floor forever mm. so it, it's almost uh, unimaginable i guess the differential between a typical manufacturing floor job situation mm-hmm. and the knowledge worker who throughout the you know what we were talking about the 80s and the 90s and 2000s really got a very very mobile and very uh, well mobile because they didn't need mobile networks to be mobile you know like mm-hmm. you 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 fence up the home with uh, with a network and then you ha- you right so you, suddenly you got the flexibility you needed but for these manufacturing workers that hasn't truly been no, the no, option they've been they've yet. been mobile they've been mobile but they've been using equipment which is not um, either it's right. Right, 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 right. or right. or it's moving equipment, but it's not connected. You know, work tools that are not connected. Increasingly, you just want to connect those tools to, to to know to get all the analytics from how they're performing and and uh, ma- maintain them, take maintenance before they start to go wrong. Hmm. So, so connecting up. Can we can we talk through a value stream sort of use case of five G, uh, uh, Rowan? Give us an example of, of of some industrial product that is really screaming for for the five G use case and what you what you've done with them so far. Sure. So I mean, uh, I think a good example is to talk about cars. Um, to produce a car, you you need metal. So uh, it all starts in in a, in a, in a mine, basically. Um, I don't know if you've been in a, a mine. Um, Tron, it's it's. Um, I've been in a mine, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Got to spend time in a mine. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So, so you know, it's it's actually a, a place where there's uh, lots of dangerous elements. Uh, at least uh, once per day, you actually blast in the mine, and before you blast, you actually have to evacuate all all the personnel. Um, then you blast, and then you have to evacuate all the the gases, uh, dangerous gases in there, and then people can move move down again, and you can restart the the production. So, if you actually have remote control machines, you can continue the work straight after the the blasting. Uh, so that does a lot for for your productivity. You also, of course, can connect the sensors for rock balls, uh, for detecting gases, and all that. So it it does make a lot of sense uh, getting a uh, network down uh, into the mine, uh, and of course. Okay, so we've got concept. some automotive things we can get to when you get to the factory. Absolutely. But even like before in the production process, when we're actually extracting the the minerals and materials used for you, you know for automotive or any production, uh, you, you can use it there. What about the issue that is so prevalent these days, which is the congestion and the uh, the chokehold at ports, right? So when when the supply chain basically has to, tran- to to switch medium from from ocean transport to to road transport in that 
uh, in intersection. You you would think that there sh- should be a lot of technology coordinating uh, what's going Absolutely. on. Absolutely, yeah. So so uh, ports is a is a typical example of a place where you also want to automate a lot. I mean, it's a uh, there's a lot of heavy lifting going on. You don't want to have people uh, in that area, um, and here also you have a lot of. Uh, uh, autonomous vehicles transporting these containers back and forth. You have these gantry cranes, uh, which you remote control, and um, they have cameras uh, attached to them, uh, which helps the crane actually fix onto the container. Uh, and to do that kind of precision work, you need very low latency as well. So you can do that uh, automatically, or you can do it remotely. Uh, and it also requires... Uh, we've tried that with the 5G network. It works fine, actually. So, so now I'm also you curious. Do you yeah. eat your own dog food? So, what about Ericsson factories? I know you don't yeah. produce cell phones anymore, but you produce other things related to to your business. Uh, so, you still Absolutely. have some amount of factories. Yeah, we do have. Uh, I mean, we produce uh, base stations and and a lot of antennas. Uh, sure, I'm going to let uh, Jeff in here as well. He wants to. No, okay, I'll, I'll continue. So, oh, he. <laughs> I think uh, we lost him, actually. So, so I mean, we, um, we do produce a lot. We've got six uh, production facilities, uh, uh, large ones around the world, uh, India, China, uh, Brazil, Estonia, Sweden, and the U.S. And, and amongst those, we've got a number of smart factories. Uh, and here we really try to test new use cases. Uh, uh, we, we recently launched the, the Louisville factory uh, in Texas, in the U.S. Um, here we have 25 new cases coming up in a year, uh, new, new stuff that we're, we're trying out. It's, it's a factory that has um, we reduced the, uh, um, uh, the actual um, water use by 75% in it. We, we reduced the energy use uh, 24%. Uh, it's it's uh, runs fully on renewable energy uh, and so forth. So we, we're really trying uh, lots of stuff there. Uh, but in our factories also, uh, we, li- we like to try these new uh, ways of uh, producing stuff using AR, for instance. And one good example is, for instance, uh, testing of circuit boards. You know, normally uh, you would do that using an instruction manual. This could be like anything from like 70 to 80 pages. Uh, now, by using AR, you can use a pad or you can use Googles, uh, and you would get uh, you could see the actual components and the facts around them as you're doing the the circuit testing. You could even call an expert and get expert advice and so on. So, by using this kind of tool, we've reduced the the fault detection time by ten to fifteen percent. Uh, so, just just you one said example. something interesting, Rowan, earlier, which goes to to a trust issue. Because you said industry doesn't trust or didn't typically in the past trust wireless for production, you know, yeah. in, in terms of the backbone. Where does that come in? Yeah, so I, I think you have to realize, I mean, with, with uh, manufacturing, it's, it's been a, an industry that has worked with, uh, with cables for uh, since, uh, you know, the days of electricity. Uh, and here we, we now have come in with, uh, you know, we were talking about the different Gs that started in the uh, beginning, beginning of the 80s or the end of the 70s. It's, it's just been like 50 years now. Um, and, and it's only uh, since uh, uh, 4G, uh, basically, and now with 5G, that you actually, that the technology has become so stable. Uh, so it's shifted from being just the technology for person-to-person communication to, to also handle systems or communication between systems or 
between systems of systems. So that's a big thing. It's a big paradigm shift. Uh, and it's difficult for, for people, I think, in leading positions uh, who actually depend on that production uh, that just cannot go wrong to suddenly say, we're going to take out the cable and we're going to replace it with something wireless, which you can't touch and feel, you know, you just have to trust it. That's a big shift. And, you know, with all respect, I think you, ha- you have to have some, uh, you have to, um, it has to take some time for that uh, to, to actually happen, I think. No, that's interesting. So, so your argument here is that 5G will be a big change because 5G actually can deliver that kind of reliability. The reliability that maybe telcos were selling with 4G and, and you know, for a large part, it kind of was there. And for many people will say, well, it is there, there and we have adjusted to it. In fact, you know, many factors will say, well, we have sensors that can deal with 3G because, you know, we can't, uh, you know, we, we can't take any chances here. And, you know, sometimes these networks aren't giving us the, uh, the bandwidth that they're promising. So we're going to, you know, uh, standardize on, on 3G. But you're saying this time, arguably, it's going to deliver. And, and once history proves that in your factory for a while, then things are going to start looking different. Absolutely. I think we, we've, been, we've been waiting for this to happen for, for some time, and we're seeing it happening now. Uh, but, you know, looking back at, at these big shifts, you always tend to kind of uh, uh, overestimate what's going to happen in the, in the short run and underestimate what really happens in the long run. So, so I believe that uh, what we're starting to see now uh, is a shift where uh, wireless technology is going to become the backbone of uh, communication going ahead, um, linking uh, uh, really everything in society, smart cities, uh, factories, um, traffic systems, uh, a lot of things are going to be running on on wireless networks going ahead, I believe. And that, I guess, brings me uh, to something you're sort of starting to talk about, the, the ultimate impact of, of 5G. You, so you're saying uh, um, a lot of the digital networks that we consider uh, core to our society, uh, not just the existing ones, uh, but also future ones, will be uh, essentially mobile first with, with, with 5G. And yeah, is that think, something that your report corroborates too? I, I, I saw one statistic that 74% of manufacturers, well, just in terms of expectations, they expect to have deployed uh, seven or more production tools by advanced wireless networks, which I guess includes 5G, uh, but not necessarily specifically 5G, you know, within 10 years. So, so that's, uh, you know, that's, han- that's tangible. It is. And it is, I mean, and that's very much focused on these... Uh, uh, ICT-enabled production tools, uh, but I think you can draw parallels uh, to what's going on because these, you know, these situations in the factory uh, here, the uh, whether it is an automobile manufacturer or or a pharmaceutical, or whatever, they're really dependent on this to be working twenty four seven without disruptions. Because if it does, uh, then it's a, uh, you know in 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 the car situation, it's a Twenty thousand to to eighty thousand dollar car every minute that's not getting produced. So it's really a, a, a quite a, a big cost for them and a big risk if these things fail. So uh, so when they are taking when they are starting to to introduce this as a backbone in their factories, then we know that uh, 
you know, it's, it can be trusted, really. So that's mm. what we're seeing. Um, Rowan, my, my last question to you is, is simply this. Uh, you know, what, uh, what are you going to be working on next? What are some of the other um, reports or other sort of experiences that you're, you're having now uh, to, to explore the, the next, uh, well, either the next network or the, or, or the deepening the, the uh, knowledge, uh, you know, around 5G and what you can do to, to help people uh, yeah, I think roll I that out? A big topic which we which we touched upon uh, in this report, but which we will continue to look at is uh, sustainability. Of course, uh, it's so crucial that uh, companies produce uh, sustainably. Uh, it is, uh, you know, we know that uh, the compliance uh, demands are going to go up. It has they have to go up because it's it's, it's our future we're talking about. So so that's a big thing. And I think resilience uh, for the factory to to be able to handle situations that are that are. Uh, we see approaching with climate crisis uh, and other types of crisis is going to be super interesting. So I suspect that we will do uh, something around that area in our next report for the future of uh, enterprises. Well, this report, Roman, was already quite interesting and it had some surprising findings, which uh, which I was glad to to cover here. So I, I thank, thank you a lot for coming on the show and, and explaining it to us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Troy. You have just listened to episode 69 of the Augmented Podcast with host Trun Arne Unheim. The topic was how 5G enables manufacturing. Our guests were Rowan Hogman, head of 5G industry collaboration at Ericsson, and Jeff Travers, customer success lead of dedicated networks at Ericsson. In this conversation, we talked about a new Ericsson report on how 5G enables manufacturing. My takeaway is that 5G isn't just another generation wireless networks. It is a game changer for trust, reliability and industrial performance at the edge. That last mile which fixed broadband has struggled with. What remains to be seen is how widespread the rollout will be and of course how innovative industry will be in making use of the new network. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at augmentedpodcast.co or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. If you liked this episode, you might also like episode 44, No Code for IoT in the Cloud, episode 21, The Future of Digital in Manufacturing, or episode 25, Industrial Tracking, Drones, Warehouses, and Theme Parks. Hopefully, you'll find something awesome in these or other episodes. If so, do let us know by messaging us because we would love to share your thoughts with other listeners. The Augmented Podcast is created in association with Tulip, the connected frontline operations platform that connects the people, machines, devices, and the systems used in a production or logistics process to solve problems. Tulip is also hiring. You can find Tulip at tulip.co. Please share this show with colleagues you care about and who care about industry and especially where industrial tech is heading. To find us on social media is easy. We are Augmented Pod on LinkedIn and Twitter and Augmented Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Augmented. Industrial conversations that matter. See you next time.